You and I know that making smart financial decisions can be challenging. But in the 21st century, financial freedom is no longer just for the 1% wealthy. It is for you and me. The question is, how do we find time, avoid making painful mistakes, and find the best resources to help us reach our financial goals? Join me on my journey helping busy families figure out how they can gain financial confidence and clarity, get actionable tips, and learn from the best experts on how to stop trading time for money. It is now the time you started living your best financial life. My name is Anna Shergunina, and welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. When you hear the word estate planning, does it make you cringe a little bit and think like, oh my gosh, this is definitely not for me. I haven't saved enough. I haven't planned enough. I haven't thought enough about what my estate should be. And I'm here to tell you that you have, and you are more than ready to start really planning your legacy. And that is the conversation we are going to jump in today with an attorney, estate planning attorney, Carmen Rosas, who's a mother, entrepreneur, attorney, author, and the founder of Empower Yourself, a transformational community that empowers women to create legacies for themselves on their terms. And so her approach to a whole estate planning, legacy planning concept really comes from not just here's the documents we need to create, and we're going to talk about that, but really about looking at this at this holistically through the lens of how do we connect all of these dots, because they are. And so no more intimidation, no more procrastination. Let's just get it done. Hey, Money Bosses. I'm so excited. Uh, Carmen Rosas is joining us here today, and we're really going to lunch into talking about legacy planning. Carmen, so awesome to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about legacy planning, estate planning, just kind of all of that. Um, So thank you so much for having me. Awesome. I'm excited. Yeah, let's do that. I think for most of uh, our listeners out there and the clients you work with and I work with, um, this is the topic that they want to deal with last, but we're going to push it to the front lines and really kind of, you know, tackle it head on. So please tell us what is legacy planning. It sounds really sophisticated and it might not be for me or for someone who is listening, but I think you're going to convince us otherwise. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things where my clients come in, they're like, it's been on my to-do list for years and, you know, something happens and then they're forced to come in um, or they know somebody who had to deal with, you know, not having plans in place or just a whole mess. Right. So for me, legacy planning is so when I approach legacy planning, it's very like much a holistic approach, right? So when I started my law practice um, almost nine years ago now, um, I was like, I just don't want to prepare documents. I really want people to think about how they're living, what kind of imprint they want to leave in this world, how they want to be remembered. And so um, I kind of just developed into legacy planning where, yes, we do talk about estate planning, the legal documents, inheritance and all of that, but also, you know, just kind of like the deeper, more emotional parts of planning for, you know, when you're no longer here, right? Like we are all going to die at some point um, and why not be prepared and protect your loved ones um, before that happens? Yeah, totally. I like I like that connection. Um, especially because when someone says, well, I don't really have much to protect, what am I really sort of, you know, launching this conversation into? So let's talk then as we transition into looking at this more holistically. And I like that because the, the, the financial planning approach we take 
um, here at Main Street is, is very similar. Like we really need to look into all of the all of the different pieces. I kind of think of it as a as a puzzle. So like in my head, like when a client shows up at our door, like estate planning is like one of those puzzles, except that I can't do it for you. <laughs> so um, yeah. you know, we need someone someone like Carmen to uh, to really put it together. So what is estate planning? Yes. Do I have to have a ton of money to like really plan my estate? No. Well, I, so I love that question, right? Because it's always like, oh, I don't have anything. Oh, I just have a house and some accounts. But, you know, if you're in California and pretty much anywhere at this point, um, if you own a piece of property, um, you need, you need to have an estate plan. (laughs) If you're over the age of 18, you need to have an estate plan. Right. And when you hear estate, right. Like they think like Downton Abbey, Bridgerton, they need, you know, Mm -hmm. one of these like mass, you know, that's just like castles and, you know, kind of old money, right? If we want to talk about it in that way. Um, but it's not, right? Your estate is basically what you own, whether it's just your your quote unquote small house, whether it's just your few bank accounts, your investment accounts, but basically it's anything that you own that has a fair market value, right? That could be sold to make some money. Um, and so estate planning is the process of creating legal documents to legally protect your assets and your loved ones so they don't have to go through the court process that we call probate. Um, so probate court consists of, you know, dealing with estates, right? Or property that passes without an estate plan. It also deals with conservatorship um, and guardianship, right? So guardianship is, you know, if you have a minor and you need someone to be appointed to take care of them, who would be, who would be taking care of them? Conservatorship is basically guardianship of an adult. So conservatorship is anyone over the age of 18 who can't take care of themselves legally or finance or legally or sorry, financially or medically cannot make their own decisions. They're incapacitated. Maybe there's even something that, you know, a child born with a disability and, you know, autism, things like that, um, where if they become an adult and there's no documents in place, a you know, families do have to go through the probate court. Um, so estate planning, I like to look at as like a comprehensive. So when we do our plans, you know, in my office, we cover a durable power of attorney and we can go over what all of these documents let's, are, let's what do they that. do. <laughs> um, so we start with, right, durable power of attorney and healthcare directive. So those two documents basically kick in when you become incapacitated, you're still alive, but just can't make decisions for yourself. So The durable power of attorney is who will make financial decisions for you if you're unable to. So who pays your mortgage, who pays your property taxes, who pays your Comcast bill, you know, any of that, who pays your, you know, your car loan, if you have that, um, children's tuition, um, any of that that's related to finance, uh, the person appointed in your durable power of attorney will do that. Your healthcare directive, right, is just that. It's for healthcare, medical decisions. Who will decide what kind of medical treatment you'll receive? If you're in a car accident and you're in a coma, you're not making those decisions for yourself. Um, so it's always important to name somebody um, that will that you trust will carry out your wishes, right? Whether or not you want to be on life support, whether you want your organs donated. Um, there's such, you know, a, so many decisions that could potentially need to be made. Um, and... So those are the two in case of incapacitation, right? So still alive, but you can't make your decisions. And then we have a will and a trust. And those two documents, those names get kind of thrown around 
you know, and they're inter they're used interchangeably, but they're actually not the same. So when you have a will and a trust, those technically those kick in when you pass away. Um, within the will, um, so we have probate, right? If you have nothing done, you go through probate course. That's option one is the default. The state gives you that, you go through probate. <laughs> option two is you give instructions to the judge um, and that's through a will, but it still goes through the probate process. What people don't realize, they're like, oh, if I just have a will, that's enough. It's not, right? Um, because basically what it is, is if you die without anything um, called intestate, um, that means you have no documents in place. All of your assets will go to your next of kin. So blood relative, if you have children, um, but basically there's it's the family tree. If you pass away without a will, um, your assets will go to your whoever is named within your will. So if you have, say, a long-term partner, we always use this, right? We've lived together for like 20 years. We function and act as if we're married, but we're not legally married. And for us here in California and a bunch of other states, right, common law marriage is no longer a thing. Although people believe it is, it's not. Um, you know, so a partnership where there's no legal marriage or not no like registered domestic partnership, it still will function as a, like as a contract based on, in, on the relationship. And so you can potentially name, say your partner, um, within your will and your assets will pass through probate to your partner, not your next of kin. But the best way to kind of leave everything is through a trust. So a trust will keep you out of probate as long as it's properly funded. And we'll get to that. Um, and it's doesn't have to ever go through court. Um, unless somebody contests it, which is a whole other issue. But for the most part, right, with most of my clients, it keeps you out of court. Everything is private. Um, individuals, so the trustee can access all of your money immediately just with that trust document. Again, with the will and no will, right, so the full probate process, your family will still have to petition the court. Those assets will essentially be frozen until the court grants somebody authority to distribute or to access them. Um, and then with a trust, you have, you know, like I said, immediate access and it keeps you out of court. You don't have to go through any of that court process. You save time, you save money. There's an initial, like, you know, we say investment upfront to get the documents done, but long-term they save you money because the fees that you're looking at, if you have a will and, or no will at all, um, is about 5% five, 5 of the fair market value. So people will say, well, I own my house, but I still have a mortgage on it. Um, so it's not really worth anything wrong. Like if that home can be sold for a million dollars, that's what your estate size is. The, the, you know, the government, the law does not care that you own or that you owe say $800,000 on it. So where people think their equity is their, or their net worth even is their estate size. It's not. So <laughs> I was like, I know that that's kind of a lot. Um, wow. but it's, Yeah. <laughs> Wow. I didn't know that. I knew about the 5%, especially in California, but it is 5% of what, what the value is, not what your equity is. Oh my gosh. It is totally worth it to pay the fees, guys, yeah. gal, <laughs> to the attorney right now. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. No. And that was, and I didn't actually, so right. I've been doing this nine years and sometimes when you've done it for so long, you just kind of forget where kind of people who are just being introduced to it or don't deal with it on a day-to-day -day basis. And I had a client, she's like, well, what if my network is negative? 
you're my net worth is negative. And I was like, your net worth is, I was like, your net worth has nothing to do with it. And she's like, well, I have credit card debts and money that I, cause she's just starting her business. Right. So those kind of upfront costs. And I was like, oh no, no. I was like, sweetheart, you have a home that is worth a million dollars. That is what the government cares about. That's what the court will care about when they're determining how big your estate is. And so she was kind of blown away. And then obviously there's other avenues to kind of deal with the debt in that part of it. But you know, yeah. yeah. Could we could we uh, real quick just touch on this debt piece because I think a lot of people, especially families, are starting it. You may have student loans, right? That, or you may have you yeah. know other debts, or if you have a business, you're trying to expense. Like, what happens to the debts? Like, what does the- so? Yeah, so the debts are supposed to be paid off, right? Um, there are some kind of workarounds where if the individuals, um, like if the individual just owns it on their own they could potentially just reach out and say, Hey, you know, this person has passed away for credit card debt, for example. Um, this person has passed away. Um, and that's it. And the kind of the debt will just go away because they don't have, they haven't secured anyone else's assets or no one else. Unlike a mortgage, right. When there's two people on it, or even if it's a joint credit card, then the other individual is going to be responsible for it, or it's joint on a vehicle. Um, but And then that's the other part of it is I always am, I'm a huge proponent of like life insurance and, you know, savings plans and making sure that the money is set up so that if, you know, there's a situation where they require you to pay the debt back, um, that that isn't a burden on your family. Right. So properly planning all of those, that, that situation. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think there's a lot of misconception about, Mm -hmm. um, people are surprised a lot. You probably hear this or see this more. Uh, that like, Hey, all well, this debt's supposed to go away. It wasn't on my books. Right. Yeah. Especially yeah. If, if you have joint accounts and things like mm-hmm. that. What about student loans? Those go away. Correct. Um, student loans do. So it's another one of those things. It's who is the, I guess, uh, what is it? I don't want to say secured party, but who is the person that incurred the debt, right? Is it an individual? Is it a joint thing? Do you take it over? And, you know, there's a lot of misconception too, even with, you know, say, people who are getting older and Medi-Cal planning, right? So that's the other thing. If you need long-term care planning and you get on Medi-Cal, there's a caveat within their th- in their language that if your estate is not subject to probate, they can't collect the Medi-Cal money that is paid, right? So there's the proper planning. But if your estate goes through probate, right, they can collect all the money issued to that individual. And that was the other thing with probate is, if there are creditors, right? So, so with probate, right, you have to go through and list all of the creditors that um, potentially have an interest. So if you have debt and you, because with probate, you publish it in the newspaper, same with the will, you publish it in the newspaper to announce to the world that this person's estate is going through probate. If you think you have a claim against it, submit it to the court. So all of your creditors can submit for their bills to be paid and then, right, reduces the amount of money paid um, to the beneficiaries. So all of those creditors will get paid if there's a valid bill um, there. They still publish things in newspapers. Yeah, there and there are still newspapers. Yeah, <laughs> just this really. And this is one of those things where it's like you know we look at even with you know with the pandemic that has hit right and everything being online and California didn't recognize for a long time like um, e notaries and so now with they're temporarily, and I don't know how long it'll last. They're allowing individuals to use online notaries from out of state in order to execute their documents. Because with estate planning, we still like the wet signatures in front of a notary stamped, all of that. And so 
Mm-hmm. I do agree. We do need to catch up with the times, but we're not, we're not quite there yet. So uh, yeah, our industry uh, is, is still a bit of a dinosaur too, trying to catch up onto the modern technology. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think COVID has really give, given us a, a bit of a kick in, in the butt if yes. you will, to even just, you know, have these meetings and interactions online. So we're, we're better. Yeah. <laughs> the rest this still has to come. Yes. Yeah, some courts just now will just because of COVID have allowed e-filing. Whereas before there was nothing we could not do e-filing. It was snail mail and, or walk it right into, to mm-hmm. file things. And so slowly making, making progress, but not quite there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, legal doc, you know, kind of think of legal doc yeah. as a little, complicated. Hey, money bosses. Are you ready to get your financial life in order? Once and for all, as soon as possible? Are you tired of living paycheck to paycheck? Do you often lose track of how much money you have to spend? Do you want to get your financial life together, but just don't quite know how? I am with you. I've been there. I've struggled through all of these. And I know you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to get better. So why do you continue to struggle? I know you can get your own money in order. It took me years to figure out. It took me years of pain, struggle, frustration, anger. But you don't have to go through all of that. You don't even have to get a financial planning degree like I did in order to be successful. Allow me to present to you my money flow system, a free playbook of how you can automate your finances, even if you hate budgeting. After you download this free playbook, you will never have to worry about budgeting. And who likes that budgeting thing anyway? You will stop accumulating debt and create a bulletproof plan of how to quickly pay it off. You will be able to pinpoint exactly what your income and expenses are. You will never have to miss a single bill again, and you will always, always have a solid idea of how much money is in each of your accounts. So head over to money-flowsystem.com to download my free Money Flow Playbook, a blueprint to streamline your finances in less of five weeks. Guaranteed. Head over to money-flowsystem.com. So these are the four things that um, someone needs to think about, and particularly if you have, uh, you talked about dependents, if you have a family. So those those documents is what you would prepare. But how does somebody who is actually like really getting, you know, started on this path really thinks about? Because I think a lot of people stall, and I have been there myself, especially um, when we, when we had our son. Like, who do you you know who do you decide to be the guardian? for your child. Right. And I know that you, they don't have to be the same people. And like, I have family out of state. So talk a little bit about that or some of the steps for people to kind of, you know, feel a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. And so one thing I didn't mention was the way where we appoint. So there's a couple of ways to appoint a guardian, right? So within the durable power of attorney, so right, you're in an accident, you're alive, but incapacitated. We appoint the guardian in there. Um, If you pass away, we appoint the guardian in the will. So there's two spots. And then you can have a standalone guardianship appointment. So you're covered on all bases, like just in case, here's a third one. Um, and um, 
if anybody wants that, right, I have a resource that um, I can give them um, for just kind of the standalone, if that's all they're looking for. Um, But when it comes to guardianship, there's a couple of things, you know, that we want to consider because if you think about the moment in which either you pass away or you're in a car accident and you're not there to pick your child up, right. Um, Or you're not there to kind of show up after school or they wake up in the morning and you're not there. They're already going through an emotional time. If you do not have a guardianship appointment in any document, you know, anywhere, um, there is the potential that your child will end up in the foster care system or just kind of with CPS temporarily. Because if you think about it, right. So pre-COVID, right, you go out on a date night, both parents are in a car accident, um, they end up in a coma, um, they don't make it home to pick up the child or relieve the babysitter, right, panic sets in, what happens, like, you know, maybe the babysitter's calling 911 because they're like, hey, the parents aren't here, I don't know what happened, police show up, they'll pick up the kid because the babysitter's no longer legally, you know, in charge or she cannot be legal, legally the guardian because there's no documentation saying that she can be. Um, so say it's a Friday night, the kid goes into, you know, foster care CPS. It will take right some time for a guardian to get figured out, figure out who will, you know, come and pick them, pick your child up. Um, and so if court doesn't open till Monday, that's potentially two to three nights where your child has no idea what's going on. And these strangers are telling them to do certain things, right. Or that this is what's happening. Mom and dad are not there. And so the most important thing is appointing someone. So if the babysitter, right. Is like, I can't get a hold of so-and-so they reach out to say grandma and grandpa, an aunt and uncle, a neighbor, a friend, somebody that's kind of next in line before they call the police and freak out. Um, somebody who has legal, legally binding documents that will say, you know, I have these documents. I have this appointment. Like the parents said, if they're not around for whatever reason, I'm in charge. So when the police show up and they're giving information, um, they know that, okay, this person can be, the kids can legally be released to this individual because they have the proper documentation. They won't have to go into foster care. They won't have to go into the system for those next two nights. And they're with someone that they know and trust, right? And so for me, right, obviously when I first, so my daughter just turned six, but um, I had my trust in place before. And then when I had my daughter, right, the first thing I thought of was, you know, and they ask you when you, before you give birth, do you have your advanced healthcare directive? You know, who's going to make decisions for you if, you know, and so that's kind of what propelled. And I was like, oh, if I die on, that's how I got into that legacy planning was like, if I die while giving birth, <laughs> what story will people tell about me? Right. And so that was part of how I brought in the holistic part of it into it. But, you know, I thought about, okay, where will my daughter go? Who will she be with? Um, you know, and I'm a single mom. So that's the other thing too, right? If you're a single parent, um, she hasn't spent a night with her father alone since she was born, like before she was born. And so for me to think that if I was gone, where would she go? Like, would she be comfortable staying the next week or two with her father? Although he's the biological parent, um, I don't know that she's comfortable or, you know, that he would be able to properly care for her. So that's the other part of it, right? I have lots of single moms that come to me and they're like, what do I do? Because the other parent's there, but he's just not fit or he only sees them twice a week or, or twice a month, not sorry, twice a year. They don't have a relationship. I would much rather my kids stay with, you know, my husband and, you know, their steps or their half siblings, or I want them to go with their grandma and grandpa. Right. So for me, I have my parents listed, you know, and then I have my brother who's in LA. 
So now going back to the guardianship, right? Being out of state, being long-term, right? So pick somebody local, right? So I have two suggestions. One is that if your long-term guardian is out of state or is more than 20 minutes away, then you also will need a short-term guardian. And that's kind of the tricky part, right? Because if you're in an accident, but your guardian that you want lives in, you know, in New York, it's going to take a few hours for them to get to California. And in that situation, your children will still then go through kind of the, you know, CPS foster care system temporarily um, until your your guardian that you've appointed long-term comes in from New York. And so, for example, right, my brother lives in LA, not too far, but if something happens to my parents or I don't update my documents ahead of time and something happens to me, I have a friend who only lives 20 minutes away who's listed as the short-term guardian. Like if something happens, call her first and then she'll arrange to notify my brother who will then make his way up to Northern California to take my child into custody, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you think about, you know, what guardian you're going to appoint, sometimes you need to, it can always just be temporary. Um, But making sure that you're picking someone, and I do have an exercise too, and we can kind of go over it on how to pick a guardian, right? Because that's Mm -hmm. the other thing. As parents, nobody wants to think about not being here to raise our children, right? And so it's like, well, it's almost like I try to say, well, pick the second best person, right? Because that's basically what it would be is who would be the next person in line that would raise your child, right? Um, and so there's an exercise if you're not sure what to do um, that you can do is you basically take a sheet of paper, fold it in half. And this is where we think about um, what are our core values, right? And so when I say holistic, it's like, how do you, like, what are some values that are really important to you, right? Right putting finances aside, right? Money aside, because there's ways, right? With investing with, you know, brokerage accounts, retirement, um, life insurance, there's all of these different ways that we can basically build a nest egg for our children to be taken care of if we're not around. So looking at non-financial values um, and maybe how somebody is a money manager, that would be important, but listing your top five core values, like what is important for you and a person, right? Integrity, maybe like an even temperament, Um, maybe they go to church, maybe they're religious, maybe they're not. Um, but listing out your top five values and then also listing, um, listing out basically the top five people that you would like you would select, um, and seeing if any of those top five match those five kind of core values that you've listed. And that would essentially be like the next best way to kind of select someone to take your spot, um, whether it's temporarily, right. Whether you're in just a coma and accident or whether it's long-term. Um, so that's just kind of a quick exercise when people are like, I don't even know who I would pick, or I don't feel like I trust anybody. It's like looking at these things and it can be college friends. It could be family members. Sometimes people are like, well, my kids, godparents can do. And I was like, well, the godparents are not legally binding They're, You know, that's just something that we do as, you know, a society and so, or for like religious purposes, but that's not legally binding. And so um, making that list, because I think one thing that parents are like, oh, well, if I don't pick so-and-so, they're going to feel bad. And I'm just like, you look at, you know, like, don't worry about other people um, in a, in a, in, in that you want what's best for your child, right? We're always looking at the best interest of the child. And so, and that will happen even with, you know, guardianship appointments. So if you leave nothing, right, you have no document in place, they could potentially go through CPS and, you know, foster care. But the other part is if you have two sets of grandparents who both want guardianship of your child, that is going to be a custody battle in court, right? And so that's another thing to consider is that, you know, your husband or your partner's, 
parents and your parents end up in a custody battle over who gets to be the guardian of your child, then that becomes an even long, more long-term situation for them. So making sure you have something in place um, is super important. Totally. Super helpful. So <laughs> I've, uh, I'm going to go back home and talk to Yuri and uh, just l- look over our docs, but I really like the value um, approach is to like, okay, all right, don't overthink it. And and the short-term suggestions is really awesome. So how often do you recommend for folks to like, once you get these documents, at least let's get them done first time. First, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if <laughs> we can get them done once, that would be amazing. <laughs> yes. I know it's a big hurdle we're trying to kind of have here um, folks jump through. So what, how often do you update? Because things change, right? Life mm-hmm. goes on, you move, uh, maybe even out of state, you buy property. So like, what's the protocol there? Yeah. So typically if you're, if no big life changes and depending on your age, right, we say three to five years, just kind of do a check-in. I'll check in with my clients and say, Hey, anything that we need to update or review. Um, Otherwise, it would be like big life changes, right? Someone passes away. Maybe you get an inheritance. Um, One of the spouses or partners passes away. Um, Maybe you have a falling out with the guardian or the person who would make medical decisions for you or the distribution, right? Maybe you have more children and you want to change the distributions or the ages um, if there's a divorce, right? Or if you get married, right? So basically looking at big life changes is when you, if you're not doing it every three to five years, then at least when there's big life changes. Um, I've had so many people actually over the last year um, who were just like, oh, it's been like 20 years since I've even looked at this. Can we update it? Because my kids are no longer minors, so we don't have to like, you know. So I would suggest every three to five years or whenever there's like a big life change. And if you move out of state, for the most part, um, if it's executed, say in California, and you decide to like move to Wyoming um, or even New York, right? If you decide to move out of state, because it was properly executed in California, it still is properly executed in the other, the next state, right? So they will, they will adopt the trust, but I do always suggest clients, you know, if you're moving, just kind of check in with an attorney there. And I do have resources for other state attorneys um, that I'm working with. Cause I do have the do it yourself documents now um, for people to reach out to. So if say like right now for actually perfect example, I have a client who lived here, but he's moving back to New York. So I'm working with um, one of my network attorneys in New York to make sure that the documents we've prepared here are kosher or in alignment with, you know, the laws in New York so that he has no issues um, when they move back out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've knew that since uh, when I was studying for my license as an advisor, uh, like there, that there's difference definitely mm-hmm. in the state, uh, you know, from state to state. And also like when there's the community property, which we are, right. And if you move yeah. into a non-community property, so there's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's actually true. You, you read the world has is, is gone virtual so you can work and collaborate with other professionals yeah. Um, yeah. on those things. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's definitely better to have something than really have, um, have nothing. So how, talk a little bit about the do-it-yourself documents. There's definitely lots of resources out there, but like to see what, um, to hear what you're kind yeah, of offering and how absolutely. to connect with you. Yeah. So I have, so what I've created, um, is um, it's called her like her legacy now, and basically it's do-it-yourself documents. So you get all the documents that you need. There's I think ten documents in total. It also includes like remembrance. So you get a will, a trust, healthcare directive, power of attorney, 
um, HIPAA release, right? So people can get information about you, remembrance and memorial instructions, personal property, right? Do you have sentimental gifts or jewelry that you want to give to someone? So 10 documents is basically what you get. Um, and I have a recorded video um, to explain exactly how to complete each document, right? So you can go and there's websites like LegalZoom and things like that, where you can basically download the forms and you fill it out based on questions that are asked. But sometimes people still don't really know what the question that's being asked. And so you get an attorney basically explaining what the documents are, what each kind of fill in the blank is, and some things to consider when you're selecting an individual. For example, if you're filling out the guardianship portion, I might give them the, you know, the exercise to do that they're not sure about or who to pick. Some other things to consider, right, when you're appointing a guardian is, um, do we pick a couple or do we pick an individual? What happens if one of them passes away? If we're picking a couple, what happens if they get a divorce? Who does the child go to? Is it a full custody battle or do we, you know, so it's all those different types of tips that you get in the video um, recording and then with instructions. And then we have instructions on how to actually properly execute the documents so that they're done and, you know, legitimate. And then I also have a network of attorneys throughout the United States um, that are willing to consult to review. So if they fill them out and they're like, I just want an attorney to review it, then they can hire that person who's familiar with these documents um, to review it in their state. In the state. So yeah. this is not is not only California-based folks. Correct. Yeah. So the do-it-yourself ones are um, not just for California-based. Yep. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I, and it's, you know, part of it too is there's for so many reasons, right? When I was kind of doing market research around this, and it was like, well, why don't all, because when you look at the number of people that have an estate plan, it's, I think, less than 42%, um, something like that. And I'm like, well, why not? Why, why don't people have some kind of documents, right? And it is the, well, I don't even have enough. It's not even worth it. Or, you know, why am I going to sit down with an attorney and pay these high fees when I don't have very much, right? Um, and so I wanted to create something that was affordable, but also a space where the clients feel comfortable that an attorney is drafting it or it's drafted by an attorney who has experience um, without having to pay, you know, the higher, I mean, a trust, you know, a full comprehensive plan for a joint, um, for a married couple, right, is about 3800 to like $4,500. Uh, so it is, it's not like inexpensive. And so I wanted something that was affordable, but also that people felt comfortable paying, knowing that, you know, it has, it's backed by an attorney um, or it has been created by an attorney. So yeah, totally. That's that's one thing also I'm always cautious with. Like, okay, you can download a form online somewhere, but yeah, know, I mean, and there's really so there are so many do-it-yourself options out there. And I was like, there's there's something missing between the other do-it-yourself options and then with the full attorney, right? Like there's has to be something in the middle. And so that's why I created kind of the program that I have now. Um, and it's called Her Legacy Now, just because it's through my Empower Yourself, right? So women empowerment, but the documents can be used for any family. It's not specific mm -hmm. to women, but it could be, you know, and it's, and I say that I help women um, protect their families, right? Is basically what it is, but they're legal documents that can be used kind of across the board. Yeah. No, that's yeah. that is good. I think it's understood because I mean, usually women tend to do a lot of these. And I've had, yeah, yes. so many, so many of the women have been reaching out because they're like, oh, the husband just doesn't want to do with it or their partner doesn't want to, they're just like, yeah. figure it out and let me know what to do. Yeah. Yeah, sure. exactly. They're picking up on the, on the hemp yeah. lift. Mm -hmm. totally, totally understood. <laughs> yeah. I had to, I had to drag Yuri too. Like, 
um, to really finally get it done. I'm like, okay, it's serious now. You know, we can't kind of get away anymore with these, you know, well, half done. <laughs> especially as moms, right? We just tend to be nurturers and we're like, we want to make sure our babies are protected and, you know, we're doing what we can for them. And so we'll take the initiative, you know, that mama bear in us comes out. <laughs> we're like, we're going to oh. figure out how to, yeah. <laughs> totally. I'm for that. All right. Yeah. So how can folks connect with you if this is definitely interesting? Yeah, absolutely. So they can visit my law office if they want more like kind of done for you services or more of the, just the estate planning. It's um, CarmenRosaslaw.com. So first name, last name, uh, law.com. And then um, for the do-it-yourself documents, they would just visit EmpowerYourself.com, which is E-M-P-O-W-H-E-R yourself, Y-O-U-R-S-E-L-F.com. And then I am... On social media, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram as, you know, I am Carmen Rosa. So if you just type in Carmen Rosa's attorney, you'll be able to find me on Google. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much. And I will include the the your um, contact information in the show notes. So yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carmen. This is always uh, always a pleasure to chat with you. And I think this, I'm hoping that after our conversation that this topic of, of pl- planning your legacy and really setting the right um, documents in place isn't as much intimidating and folks are like going to jump on it. So that's Thank my goal. Thank you. Yes, Thank you. I try to make it as painless as possible. <laughs> that is the goal. It's, yeah. It is not, and you know, I'll just close with this. I tell my clients a lot um, in, in terms of getting them to, to move on these things. I'm like, you know, Financial planning process is a lot more involved. Like we're gonna we're gonna do a lot more work as a, as as opposed to you know sitting sitting down and really thinking through and creating a document. So that's yeah. been usually my my uh, suggestion. But let's let's <laughs> just hope they believe me. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Karen. Hey, money boss. Thanks for tuning in today. If this episode did help you, then please be sure to share it with someone else you think will benefit from it too. After all. Smart financial decisions are for everyone, Uh, so don't be greedy. I hope I can help you even further by sharing with you how thousands of clients I worked with in my career over the last 16 years created their very own successful financial lives on their terms. It's hard for me to do this over an audio, and if you are ready for the next chapter in your life, then be sure to go to mainstreet-money.com to get your free resource guide to help you begin correcting top six financial mistakes I see people make all the time, such as not having clear financial goals, not having a handle on spending or saving for the future, not knowing how to get rid of all the debts, and of course, not having a clear strategy or plan on how to protect your hard-earned money. Until next time, remember, you are the boss of your money.